on Karina and Kirsten Get to Work, we're talking about mama bias. Who knew? People are biased against moms. Weird and terrible. Welcome to Karina and Kirsten Get to Work. I'm Kirsten Barron. And I'm Karina Hoyer. And as always, we are here for joy, meaning, and ease for women in the workplace. And as you heard from Karina, we are talking about mama bias in the workplace today. But before we get to that, I just have to take a pause and talk about our favorite gal of the moment. Kamala Harris. As my mom says, she's a star. She's a bright light. She is. <laughs> what does your mom think of as a star? Like really like a nebulous? No. What she that? really does. She thinks that she is bright and sparkly and big and powerful. That is, I think, her definition of a star. And a light she, in the darkness. A light in the darkness. She's like, we just need a star right now. And I'm like, we do, Mom. And we, we have do. one. We have Kamala, Mamala, appropriate for our topic today. Yeah, which are stepkids color. It is interesting you bring her up because I was talking to my husband about Kamala and just what a phenomenal woman she is and has to be Mm -hmm. to have accomplished what she has accomplished in her life and now to be running for VP. I mean, that is no light lift, sister. She's no shrinking violet. She is no shrinking violet. She's no shrinking violet. And my favorite thing that people say about her, and it actually is my favorite thing, because I hope people keep saying it over and over again and recognizing I'll how say it. absurd it is. What? Your favorite thing. I'll say it a million times. What is it? Oh, about her. It's that people say she's too ambitious. <laughs> and I just want them to keep saying it over and over again so they realize at some point that that is an absolutely absurd thing to say. It's ridiculous. It's just absurd. She's too ambitious. No one would ever say that about a man. No, not ever. No, they wouldn't. They would never say it. Go, sister. I'm voting for you. So we have Kamala, who we love, and my mom does. And your mom does. And it is funny you called her Mamala, which is really like- That is her nickname. I know. And it's apropos Mm -hmm. to this- uh, It is really apropos to this episode. And this episode came about because I have a really dear, lovely, amazing friend who just had a new baby in the middle of the pandemic. Oh, and yeah. it's crazy, crazy, crazy times for her. And she is loving being a mom and it's fabulous, but she's back at work. And she said, can you guys talk about mama bias in the workplace? <laughs> and I was like, oh, yes, sister, we can. Yes, we can. Come we would from love to talk about mama bias in the mom. workplace. I've seen, and actually know several women, including our dear friend that we share, who have had babies in this pandemic in my heart just it is not easy in any circumstance you know it's not to have a newborn super weird in the pandemic and it's really not that easy to go to work with no. a newborn in the pandemic and when your work is your home <laughs> and your newborn's there i just laugh because it's absurd it's so absurd and just as a footnote school starting oh yeah school starting which mm-hmm. is the other reason we wanted to talk about this yep. because yeah, newsflash. Every woman who's listening to this is like rolling their eyes saying, no shit, Krina and Kirsten. <laughs> it is not going to get any easier anytime no. soon. Mm-mm. And guess what, ladies? We're going to be judged even more harshly. Yes. So let's take a breath. <laughs> let's do some contemplation. Let's think through the topic. Yeah. Let's get our ground let's- and let's figure out how to manage this. And let's do our power pose. Or exist through it. I guess power pose from last week. A power pose. I don't know. Exist, manage, I don't know, get through it, hobble our way through it. 
whatever. Just get, get yeah, just yeah, get through. Just the get way through, through is through. Isn't that your favorite? The way through, the way through is through. The way through is through. The way through is through. So I do want to start by just a moment to talk about the word mom. Yeah, that is such a loaded. It's loaded. You know, it's funny as we were talking about this earlier. You know how I feel about mom hair. Yeah. My husband told me I had mom hair one time. <laughs> and you cried for like two days. I cried for like two days. Mm-hmm. He thought it was a compliment. And I love Which my- is weird. I met honestly. You know, Barry. <laughs> well, and I love my mom. I don't think mom is a pejorative. Right. And I think my mom has great hair. But why did I think mom hair? Why did I cry when someone told me I had mom hair? Or mom clothes. Or, or mom, mom car. shoes. Yeah, mom car. Yeah. They, those are not compliments. No, they're not. They're, they don't mean you're stylish, right? <laughs> and I get, and I want to just pause for a moment and say, there are a few, I, it's hard for me to imagine any role that we play as humans that is just than mom. It's a wonderful role. It's a sacred role. I feel honored. I feel blessed. I feel privileged to be in that role. And so I just want to first say that by like, my favorite thing in the world is being a mom to my kids, period, end of story, stop. Yes, but in this society, and I agree mm-hmm. with you, but in this society that we live in, in the workplace it that we work within. It also means I'm unattractive. Right. I'm not stylish. You wear big, sensible shoes. <laughs> exactly. You drive a minivan. And if you don't, and if you don't, then you don't fit the mold. Then you're judged. And you're judged for, as well. God forbid if you work 10-hour, 12-hour days. Right. Because then you're really slacking on your mom duties. Right. And if you got cute clothes and you drive a sweet car, oh, and then you probably have a nanny. Right. Then you have a nanny. And, and then you're then not really one of us. No, you're not one of us because you're not really raising your kids. So we, I just wanted to talk about this word mom because it is crazy, crazy loaded. Yes. From our society. And that's the one thing that you guys know that makes me nuts is when society puts an overlay on humans and tells them who they are as opposed to letting humans be who they actually are. Yes. Right? So that's the core of this, which is like, let's just take a minute and talk about mom hair. Yeah. I've had mom hair. I you get haven't it. had mom hair. None of us have. No moms have had mom hair. Yeah. I had Karina hair. Can we just say matronly? And I just, <laughs> just change the word and say, your hair is matronly. Can we just say your hair is beautiful no matter what? Because she's That's probably better got, you know, spit up on her shirt <laughs> and just worked a 10-hour day and she's being judged. No, and I think that's it. There is a pretty impermeable box that yes. we put women in mm-hmm. when we use the- Tiny w- box. Yes. Does not allow us to stretch our arms or our legs. Yes. We get put into a very tiny box. When we use the word And mom. that is what you were saying. And there's this great quote that we found from an article in Andy and Al, which is kind of a gender uh, website that's great. I'll put it in the show notes. But the problem with mom is that it limits our experiences, it defines our role, it names our place, it confines us to expectations of others simply because we have children. And so here's what they said in Andy and Al. Pervasive American assumption that mothers should be committed to their children without restraint or reservation, that children's emotional health and academic achievement depends on their mothers being available to them 24 hours a day, seven days a week, never mind the time that a father, a relative, a friend, a grandma, a trained caregiver, a teacher spends with the child. It's the mother's time that is critical and irreplaceable. Yep. Okay, so that's kind of the culmination of our exploration 
of the word mom. Right. And you know, you and I talked about this when we first created this podcast, even though both of us are moms, we were really clear. Like this is not a working mom podcast. This right. is a working women podcast. So this is really one of the first times. I mean, of course, we've talked about our experiences around being a mother because it's so important to who we both are. But this is the first time we've really dug deep into mamahood. Yeah, mamahood and how it interplays with work. Mm-hmm. And I think that that definition from Andy now that you just articulated, read, restated, it's really interesting because in a lot of ways, I agree. Mm-hmm. I think the role of mother is incredibly important. I think being available a lot of the time is incredibly important. I think that we have a unique impact on our children's lives that cannot be replicated. Yep, but, all true. But, 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 it's not the only thing. thing. And I think that while it's at one point the highest compliment, it also comes with a lot of negative baggage and fundamentally as you said in the very beginning, puts us in a teeny tiny box where it's hard to stretch our legs and our arms. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't realize this as a worker. And, you know, I was a working mom, just like you, with kids. Mm -hmm. In fact, my experience was that I had both of my children and along the way got promoted. So I moved up the ladder while, you know, taking time out for children. And you are, Karina, I'll be honest, and I think the listeners will agree. In some respect, you're always an anomaly. In these conversations, you <laughs> just what is are. That? Why is I that? I love it. Let's just go with it. Go with it. So when you had babies, so when I had, you were promoted. I was promoted. Yeah, I worked at the same organization, you know, for twenty years, and I started at the bottom and I left at the top, if you will, if you buy into the hierarchical model. And I had two children along the way. Two children that, incidentally, I brought to work with me. I brought to both of them to work until they could crawl, and then they were just like way too hard to handle. So here I am, you know, getting promoted. I think with my second child, I was also second in charge of the organization. And I had my kid, you know, in a front sling carrying him around to meetings. And so in some ways, I had a totally different experience, I think, than a lot of women do. So you stopped bringing your babies to work when you could no longer manage them and your work. Yeah, exactly. But I think that what was inter- what's interesting is that, you know, I bring this up to say that I didn't realize how limiting, how unusual, how unusual that is, and how mm-hmm. limiting that is for mm-hmm. some women, mm-hmm. and how hard some women have to try work to hide it, mm-hmm. and in fact, how severely women are penalized. Yeah. Do you say penalized or penalized? I say whatever I want. You're goddamn right, That's you do, right. sister. Say whatever I want. <laughs> it that because when you talk about that secrecy, that of course is my model. Yes. Like I mean, I brought babies to work, but I kept them in the office, my little office, with the door shut. And I can remember nursing a baby with my knee, you know, propped up, typing with two hands on my computer with the phone in my you know, with my shoulder in my ear. Yeah. I mean, I can remember doing that and because I just had really easy babies, frankly. And so they ate or they slept or they just were, you know, pretty happy. And when I left my office, they were usually sleeping. And if they were, if for some reason they woke up, one of the paralegals or one of the legal assistants would race in there and grab that baby so that none of the partners knew he was there. So you had to hide your Oh, we hit him. We totally hit him. Nobody knew he was there. 
No one had any idea. The partners had no idea he was there. And later on, when the kids were older and I had to bring them into work after they finished school, like I pick them up at three from school, I'm like, I can't leave for the day. I've got to go back to work. I bring them back to work. And if they would get too wild, I would say, Larry's here. Larry was one of the partners, and he was a lovely human, but also very scary on the outside. Oh, sure. It was like the big He's bad wolf. He's easy to villainize. He, I totally villainized Larry, who I just love. Poor Larry. And I was like, Larry's coming. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> no. It's a code word. Code word. So yeah. do you, why do you think you had to hide them? It was not acceptable. It was not usual. Like, if I would have brought my children, I didn't have pictures of my children on my desk until I was a partner. So do you think you would have been penalized for yes. that? Judged, not yes. promoted, not, not given the case? No. When There was a time in my career when, and by the way, just to be clear, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I am the Baron of Baron Smith Doggart, uh, right? Hell yeah, you okay? are. There was a time. I am the Baron. I'm the Baron. I'm that person. There was a time in my career when the partners looked at me. And it was time for someone to step up and take over the business department because the business department lawyer had left. And they basically said, oh, she has three kids. She can't do it. Oh, see? Okay. So that's what you're trying to oh, avoid. Oh, absolutely. And I was like, smack down. Watch me. Yeah. I dare you. I dare you. Yeah. Give it to me. I yeah, dare you. Game ya. on. Interesting. So, which I think is more common. And in fact, yes. our research, as because we love mm-hmm. to dig into the data, our, our research shows. I have to back up, though, because when you were just talking about your kids and after school, I'm just remembering a story of my own childhood and my own badass mom who also worked and who was on the way home. She, Her office was on our way home. And my sister and I would go and hang out. Like, I was the kid in the office waiting for my mom to get off of work. You know, she had those yeah. stamp pads. Remember those old stamp pads? Yes. Like, I distinctly remember, like, just give me a stamp pad and a piece of paper. My kids made notebooks. Yeah, and I'll just mm-hmm. entertain myself. Yeah. So I was also, yeah, I was that kid. And then, but I wasn't hidden from her workplace, and I didn't hide it in mine. It's really fascinating to me that that was your experience. Has it changed in, in your yes, workplace? Yes, it's absolutely changed because that, and we'll get to this in the conversation, that's part of the role of people who take on managerial and leadership positions is to change culture. Yes, especially women. Okay, so interestingly, as we're engaging in COVID and starting school, Mm -hmm. we did see a couple of statistics and some articles that are really pertinent to right now. One of which which struck me is that uh, women are two-thirds, in some reports, are up to two-thirds of the essential workforce. Mm -hmm. And honestly, it's a little scary because we know that mostly women, because the statistics also, you know, support that, mostly women will be educating children at home. Yeah. And two-thirds of our workforce are women, and they're going to be taking care of kids and educating kids. I think we're in for some real big issues. And in fact, right on this on this topic, I've had a number of my clients who are HR professionals who say to me, Kirsten, fall is coming. Yeah. And 30% of our workers are going to be gone at least four hours a day. Because of school? Because of school. And this has just happened in the last few weeks, of course. And actually, I think they're the ones who are they they're foreseeing what's going to happen. So let's just settle in on that fact: is that so many of our essential workers are women, and so many women are moms. Yes, and so many women's are also women's. So like many women's. So many chicks. So many women's are also caregiving elderly parents. Mm, yeah, who are you know also isolated right now. Who so many women are doing the emotional labor and the physical labor at home mm-hmm. that's not 
necessarily shared equally. And so... See other podcasts. Yeah, exactly. Go revisit some of the other stuff we talk about. So this is an interesting time to be judging women harshly when we're working our tails off. Right, when we're carrying a huge... It's crazy. Even more so than... Yeah. The dichotomy of the responsibility and the judgment is just arresting. I mean, it is just... It caught, I mean, and here's what I think too. We are actually really not just talking about moms. No. Because we're talking about all women. Because I believe in the workplace, and I think this is true, that all women are seen as people who may at one point bear children. Well, exactly. The data even suggests that. Even if you're not currently pregnant or have children, you are judged as though you will or you might. Have children. Have children. Mm -hmm. And so, So this really is an all-women's issue. This is not even just a mom's issue. It's an all-women's issue. Yeah, and, you know, speaking of judgment, you know, I think that we like, the you know, the big bad patriarchy with the, you know, big teeth and (laughs) I just can picture it, right? Just like snarly. Stinky breath and the saliva too. Just like nasty. Get your hands off me and start stop judging me in nasty patriarchy. But it's also women. I mean, I have to cop to something. We have babies in my neighborhood, and I'm trying to have meetings, and it's loud, and mm-hmm. I hate it. I mm-hmm. want them to shut. I want these babies you want to the, stop you want the crying. Quiet baby. You know, I was in church once, and because you know I'm a Jesus person, as I always say, I'm the only person you know who's a Jesus person. I was in church once, and one of my kids was crying. And the person in front of me, and it just makes me almost cry to say this because it was just one of those times in my life where it was hard. It was so hard. And I, she turned around and looked at me, and I said, I'm so sorry. And she said, no, that's a joyful noise. And so my whole mindset has changed. So every time I hear a child cry, even at a meeting or when it's whatever, it's like, oh, no, no, no. that's the joyful noise. Yeah, they're that's alive. That's the noise. That's what we want. So I've really shifted myself around that. Well, good for you. God bless you. God bless me. But me, I'm over here judging. And I think that was kind of the point was yeah. like the judgment comes from both the mm-hmm. snarly patriarchy that I like to villainize because it's us. so easy, but also from me and from mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the judgment is so stark and so harsh, it's measurable. Yeah. So let's talk about what those disparities really look like. Yeah. What are the hard, cold facts? So compensation. Mm-hmm. Under the Riveter.co, motherhood bias, what it is and how to fight it, women lose an average, this is from that article, women lose an average of 4% of hourly wages for each child that they have. Yes, Mm -hmm. 4%. In fact, another study found that a mother was half as likely to be promoted as a childless woman and was offered $11,000 less in salary on average and then was also held to higher performance and punctuality standards. Women with children were 79% less likely to be hired than a woman without children. And here's what's crazy. They do those resume studies. You know, we love the resume studies. Yeah, wait, so that statistic, you only have a 21% chance of being hired if you have a child? Compared to a woman without a child. Yes. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Jeez. As I understand the statistics, but you know, I, those, I did not take statistics. I wish I would have. 
You know, Queen and I love these resume studies, and they're just amazing because they create these kind of stark realities. And when they, this 79% number actually came out of this study where they showed folks resumes, and there was some indication on these women's resume that they were a mom. I'm volunteering the PTSA, I do youth soccer, whatever it is. And that's where they get this information, uh-huh. is these people who cull through, oh, well, you know, she's, she's on the PTA, she's got kids, ah, she can't do it. Right. She's less uh, mm-hmm. committed. She's less She's not going to be available. Mm-hmm. She's actually not going to do the job as well mm-hmm. as somebody, uh, as a man, for mm-hmm. sure, because uh, you have to have a penis to be smart, and also uh, not have children. And at the same time, we've also seen that being a mom is a major skill builder. Mm-hmm. I mean, dear God, anyone who's had children yeah. understands. Like, you become a master negotiator. Mm-hmm. You understand how to, like, motivate. You know how to multitask. You know how to multitask. You know how to resolve conflict. You, you know get, how to compromise. You get crystal yeah. clear on your priorities. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, you know, when you have all the time in the world, you procrastinate. But when you're under the gun, you get shit you done. You just get busy. Yeah, that's what moms do. Yeah, I think for that, like eighteen years straight, mm-hmm. and then you know. So anyway, these it's really interesting the judgment that comes out. The judgment. The, the other thing that I found very interesting is women leaving jobs after they have children. Yeah, and I've talked to so many people who will tell me, "Oh yeah, my boss didn't think I was coming back to work," and when I talk to my employers, a lot of them will say, "Yeah, I don't think she's coming back to work after she has her baby. I don't think she's coming back to work." So. And the quitting thing is a big deal, particularly in certain areas, like mm-hmm. in STEM, in the you know science, technology, blah, 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 engineering, engineering math. math. Thank you. Mm-hmm. 43% of women leave STEM after they have a child. It's crazy. Was there any causation there? Like, was there a re- Did the article offer any reason? It was just too hard. That was my takeaway from the article. It's that working mothers face a wall of bias about their abilities that the expectations of their behavior are... It, this is that thing when you said in the very beginning, which I keep coming back to, is that little tiny right, box right. that we jam mothers in. They're not getting promoted. They're no, not getting because their they raises. Can't do they're not this getting because they have all these obligations. Yeah. That's right. And so they're walking away. That is a huge impact on society. Mm-hmm. When women, and mothers especially, walk away from the workforce, yeah. we lose this vital voice. We lose the opportunity well, and to just influence the humans, future. Just the humans. Like, as you talked about, the number of women who are essential workers. There is one study in valuing women's caregiving during and after the corona crisis, an article that we'll also put in our show notes. Yeah. But women's participation in the economy adds an estimated $7.6 trillion to the nation's gross domestic product. So not only are there all of these skills and talents you build as a woman, not only are there all of these essential duties you perform, but we're talking cold, hard cash. Yeah, there's a lot of it. And we're also, talking $7 billion, almost $8 billion. Trillion. Trillion. Trillion, dude. You know, that same study also said that 64% of U.S. mothers were breadwinners or co-breadwinners, which is interesting. So we've got women being judged harshly. Mm-hmm. Earning less, being offered less, being prom- promoted less often. Yeah. Leaving more often. Yeah. So all of these actual negative consequences. And there's 60 and 64% of US mothers are the primary. Are the primary mm-hmm. or the co-brenner. Okay. Also And we talked about this in our episode on 
compensation and raises. Yeah, and money. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to just get this final thing out, and that is that black mothers and Hispanic mothers are especially likely to be the primary or co-breadwinner in their family. 84.3% of black mothers and 60.9% of Hispanic mothers. And this is an echo from that episode about recognizing that this impact is even greater on Hispanic and black and other people of color. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and these are these you know, badass people, women who have children who are part of the workforce doing essential work, who have all of the skills and talents to manage, you know, a million different priorities mm-hmm. at once. What I'm And we're pushing them out. And what I'm finding so interesting about, I'm listening to your and my's tone as we're, we talk about this. What do you think it is? I think we are so pissed and also, there's a sadness, too. Yeah. It's like, oh, God. Well, that's you and me. I'm pissed you're sad. Well, no, I'm both. I'm pissed, too. You're holding it together. Well, it's funny because this is the first time in a while that we've done an episode specifically around women and women's issues and gender. You know, like we've, you know, we've had, I love every single episode we've done, but I feel like, yeah, you can relate to it whether you're a man or woman. This is very specific to women, yeah. right? And, yeah, it is very specific. And we are impassioned. Women. We are impassioned. And we are angry and upset about it, as I think is pretty clear in our tone. So let's go to that thing that I think we're better at. I think we are better at figuring out what to do about things than being pissed and upset. I'm pretty good at being angry. Pissed. You are good. Don't, but get, you're don't get me wrong. Better at solutions, friend. <laughs> well, thank you, are. you for that. And yeah. I, you know, I think one of the things that women can do is normalize the fact that working moms Mm -hmm. can do a tremendous job. And I think no matter what position you're in, and especially if you're in leadership, naming that you're a mother, claiming the fact that you still, you value your children, but you're also doing a tremendous job, showing Mm -hmm. that working moms are as good, if not better, Mm -hmm. than other workers. Other workers? Male or female. Other workers. They're great. They're great. There's no reason. Let no. me put it that way. Um, highlighting that. You know, and you thought a lot about it. It's funny you gave me credit for it. You thought a lot about the what to do about it. I really I just kind of stopped at being pissed. I have thought a lot about the what to do about it. And I'll just be perfectly candid. As I said in the beginning, I spent a lot of time hiding the impact of my children from people that I worked for. Mm-hmm. I worked late at night. I finished stuff. I wanted to go to the soccer games. I wanted to go to the concert, the whatever it was. You know, I wanted to be there. And so I made up for it by working at night and kind of hiding it. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think that's the right answer. Mm-hmm. I think that was the right answer. I mean, I've been at this law thing 30 years. There's been a lot of changes, and the answer is very different today. And I'm working really hard to make that happen. But Primarily, I think that what women need to do is to directly confront the bias that we know exists. And that means telling your supervisor and your coworkers what your intention is. Mm-hmm. I'm coming back to work on November 1st, and I am back full time. And my career goal is to be here by this time. And I'm looking to get this, this, and this certification or education in the meantime. So if you communicate what your intentions are to people around you, then they can't assume and make these ridiculous biased judgments about what you might want to do. Yeah. So you're saying don't hide it. Be crystal clear. Get out in front of it and you over-communicate what your intentions are. Mm -hmm. 
over-communicate. Here's my goal. Now, some people will always say, and I get this, Karina, and you challenged me on this when we were doing the prep work for this episode, but some people will say, oh, I don't know what it's going to be like to be a mom. Right, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how to feel. I'm not sure. And I'm like, that's great. That is your internal process, and nobody needs to share your internal process. So you need to give the people who work with you a reasonable expectation. Be clear. And if you need to renegotiate that because something changes, that's fine. You know, you can always go back and renegotiate. But don't, like, that's one of the things, right? Your internal process is not everybody else's because they will make assumptions. And they will not be good for you. Yeah. And I think when I challenged you, I was saying, well, you know, you don't know if you're going to have a colicky yeah. baby. You mm-hmm. don't know if you're going to have a, you know, a kid with a disability. You don't you know don't if really, you're going to have complications. You don't know if you're going to have complications. Depression. Whatever. There's thousands. Right. Yes. And that's pregnancy related. But the other piece of this is, you know, there's mom bias when you got a 10-year-old and a 15-year-old mm-hmm. and an 18-year-old. Yeah. And so also being crystal clear, like you said, about what your career goals are. And I'm doing that and I'm a mom. Or I'm going to go to the soccer game my kids never played. I'm going to go watch the mountain bike race mm-hmm. and... I'm going to get this stuff done on the weekend. Or you you know, you know, can count on me. I'm going to say yes to this. Or this is the support network I'm utilizing because I'm committed to this job and not accepting ambiguity or the judgment that's being Because with ambiguity, you. you allow other people to fill in the information. Exactly. And that's what you don't want to do. Yeah. Along the lines of over-communicating your intentions, I think it's really important to let your coworkers and your supervisors know why you are out of the office. Do not just be gone without an explanation. Yeah. And I learned this the hard way. I used to say, I'm out of the office. I'm out of the office. It's just secretive almost. Secretive. It's, of course, the whole thing was secretive. Clandestine. Clandestine. Nobody needs to know where I am. And that's pretty true, but I would always say, I'm in a meeting. I'll be out uh, unavailable until four, right? So I always communicated all the time when they could expect me and yeah. where I would, when I would be back. But now I'm all the time spilling where I am. I'm like, oh, I drove my kid's bicycle down to Seattle this afternoon. I mean, my kid is 26, 20, 22 years old or whatever I happen to do, right? Yeah. These mother things that we do, because now that I feel like I'm in a leadership role, I need to normalize. Yeah. It's And you're still getting your work done. And I'm getting my work and done. And you're still pulling in the numbers. Mm-hmm. And you're still, yeah, I'm yep. meeting your clients. You know, th- one of the other things that I'm really curious about is, uh, folks, women's legal rights. You know, I think mm-hmm. this this hiding is pretty common. Yes. I think, you know, shame in a lot of ways is common. Pretending, like li- almost living a double life. Mm-hmm. And in fact, there are laws that protect us. And not a lot of us know what those are. And I'm wondering if you might touch on I those will, a bit before we jump. I will. I will run through those. And those are obviously this. I'm going to give you the lawyer list. Lactation breaks. If you're pumping, if you're nursing, you get time. There's a lot of accommodation if you're pregnant, and some of them are just like you get extra meal breaks, or you can change your lifting expectations, or you can get a another kind of break. Caring for sick children has broad protection, both in federal law and in state law. Okay, parental leave that's available federally, and for some states, it's available for available in some states. And then, of course, there's gender and pregnancy discrimination. Mm-hmm. So. We all know this. You cannot be treated differently because you are a woman. And pregnancy is uniquely female, so related to gender. And mom is uniquely related to gender, right? So 
be aware of those things because there are protections to make sure your employer treats you like everybody else. Yeah, like the men. Mm-hmm. And the women who don't and have children. by the children. way, we have these laws because they don't. So let's just be clear about that. Yeah, the laws are there to protect because us they because don't. they, mm-hmm. the snarl-tooth patriarchy. Right, the dirty, stinky breath. Nasty. Patriarchy. Yeah, okay. So, you know, the only other thing that I could think of, the one thing I could offer to the what to do about this was to really think about where the laws aren't covering you, mm-hmm. where the opportunities are to advocate, what the policy changes that you'd like to see around fi- childcare and flexible work schedules and paid leave. You know, there are some pretty innovative, progressive elected officials out there who are really pushing for some of the kinds of policies that I think will make it harder and harder to discriminate against working Mm -hmm. moms. But we need to see, we need to find those and support those and advocate for those policies. Given the work that women contribute to the community, the essential nature of the work, the economic magnitude of the work, it's just sensible. Yeah, if nothing else is sensible. It's just sensible. It's good business. And I want to, can I add just one final thought in closing? Mm -hmm. So I was watching a great interview with Melinda Gates of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Incidentally, the largest foundation in the world. I didn't know that. Yeah. And, you know, they do a lot of, a lot of great work, but Melinda started in the tech industry and uh, she was actually being interviewed by David Letterman. And he asked her how many women are, you know, in, represented in tech. And she said, you know, it peaked a while ago and it's, it's significantly lower than it was when she was in, you know, a work working. And, but her point, I feel like was something I want to sort of reiterate. And that was, you know, she said, we need to get more women in tech because tech is the future. Mm. And without women there, we don't have women designing our future. Mm-hmm. And that really struck me in regards to this episode, because that's how I feel about everything. Yeah, You know, whatever our work is, it's designing our future. It's impacting our communities. It's designing how we operate as a society. And when we don't support moms, when we don't have moms' voices in the mix, then moms aren't part of the, they're not on the design yeah. team. Yep. And of for course, the future. This, is, this is true for so many folks in our community, yes. right? Yes, I mean, exactly. this is not yet, just moms. Not just moms. It's women. It's black people. It's brown It's Hispanic yep. people. It's anybody who's not currently represented Mm -hmm. at the level that they need to be. And so it just struck me, and I wanted to end in that, that, you know, for no other reason, we need to do this for future moms. Yeah, we do. We need to engage in those solutions for future moms. So get out there, make your voice heard, be clear about what you're doing, and advocate for these things that just make for a more sensible, reasonable, sustainable society. And know you're not alone. Because we're just getting ready to vote. Oh, yeah. In November. Get ready, sisters. Right. Get ready, sisters. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for working. Bye, Kirsten. Bye, Karina. Karina and Kirsten Get to Work is recorded and produced by yours truly, Karina Hoyer. And Kirsten Barron. Find all of our episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, on our website, or email us at yougettowork.com at gmail.com. Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening.